from Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Hello and welcome to The Dairy Show. I'm your host, Katie Schmidt, and if you're listening to this, you have found World Dairy Expo's new podcast. Now, if you're wondering what we're going to talk about, here's the rundown. Each episode, a new guest will join me as we talk about everything from the colored shavings to cows to new dairy technology to cutting edge research. Basically, if the topic is related to dairy, it's on the table. And to get this show started, joining me in the studio today is a dairyman who also, very fittingly, was there when Expo itself started, Mr. Ray Keel. Welcome to The Dairy Show. Thank you very much, Katie. I'm glad to be here and hoping I can answer a few of your questions. I have all the faith in the world. And as we get started, I would love for you to do a quick introduction of yourself and let our listeners know what your background is in agriculture, especially, and where you've been throughout your career. Uh, well, I've been in the dairy business uh, pretty much all my life. Uh, born and raised on a dairy farm and raised uh, my family's farm and uh, went to Beaver Dam High School, uh, started up a 4-H club, joined the Future Farmers of America there at Beaver Dam High School, uh, was elected on the state board of the FFA in the state of Wisconsin. And uh, that helped me a lot in getting started. And the uh, fellow committees on the FFA were very good at helping me get through. And they even selected me to represent the state of Wisconsin at the Danford Foundation in Michigan. A great training period for 10 days, going on, showing cattle, judging cattle, um, superintendent of the Wisconsin State Fair in the dairy area, in the building area there for over 30 years. And uh, we'll cover some of those other things probably as we go along. Absolutely. And to start, I want us to go back in time to that mid-1960s meeting at the Kit Kat Club in Waterloo, Iowa. Who was involved with that, and what led up to that moment? Well, I was in the Dara Barn, and uh, uh, Alan Hetz and I worked. I worked for Alan Hetz. I was in the show circuit before that, and uh, I had my own farm. In other words, I was the show was where I came and joined them. So Alan and I took care of the cattle, selected the cattle in front of the cattle uh, in front of the manger uh, there. But Alan Hetz was a chair. We made chair that night right away. In addition, was um, myself, of course, Gene Nelson, Howard Bigley, Mr. Brown's Swiss in Wisconsin at that time, and Ray Brubacher from Canada. That was our committee. And um, made these recommendations right away that night we all agreed on was that the show would be a dairy show that would be Presented with cattle from the United States and Canada, only from those two countries because of health and so forth. They could be owned by someone else, but they had to be housed in the United States and Canada. 
There were six breeds at that time. There were not red and white Holsteins really involved in there. And that came on later, uh, later on when I was named chairman of the dairy committee. And yeah, go back briefly to our committee. I said we met on that date, and then we also decided that night that we would meet every week or at least by phone. But we were committed people, but we got other people then to come in with us, and they were just as committed as we were. And uh, that was really well. Of course, I have to give a lot of credit to our person, Alan Hess, who did a great job, believed in it. He believed in Waterloo in the show. We weren't running away from the show. He was the only person of all dairy breeds at Waterloo that was invited to their committee meeting the last day of their show. So he always got a story of what was coming, what was going to happen. And he had gotten a story that day that Waterloo was having some financial problems and so they'd be meeting. So we, uh, um, the things that we were looking at uh, that we decided we had to do is we had to find the site. And so like one of my was to check with the Ohio State Fair Fairgrounds, check with Minnesota State Fairgrounds, and some of the other people were signed different places. So we looked all over before it ever became a thing that we've selected Madison, Wisconsin, but there was a lot of selection time and looking at a lot of information gathered for that. Wisconsin State Fair was looked at. Here, for instance, Wisconsin. Sure, so in Milwaukee, in for Milwaukee. people not familiar with that grounds. So this is what's taking place between that 1963 meeting and when Expo actually gets off the ground in 1967, correct? That's right. That so, was our first show. So what else is taking place during this four-year period uh, beyond finding a location here in Madison? We had to uh, figure out a way to raise some money. And uh, after working on it, we decided to have two auctions. We had two different auctions where they were worked out different ways. Part of the exhibitors gave an animal uh, for all money that was brought in the auction. We went to World Dairy Expo, some that was split or something. Like that. Ways were worked out, discussed, and put in the book for every day. So both of those sales gave us our, our pacing money because we had no other way to start with. Right, yeah, you're starting from scratch. Start right from scratch and uh, get people to volunteer. We got volunteers and volunteers and different different committees, other different committees. You know, you had your, uh, your Purple Cow and all these things developed as time went on, obviously. So what do you remember from that first show in 1967? I, I know from reading our history book that it's a 10-day show. It's named the World Food Exposition at yeah. the time, but but what are some of the highlights that you recall from that first year? Well, to me, what I recall is that we uh, were excited at the attendance that did come. We knew it was brand new. Our goal at first was thinking that we would have this food thing. It would be made more to, for really for the Madison people. Now, I don't want to down Madison people still have supported us, but we never have got the crowd we have. But we got people to come from all over, and we went out and reached out. And uh, one of the things that helped in about 
1970, a group of six men came here from Holland looking for, they were a joint of six AI units in, in uh, Holland, and they interviewed different people to help them in purchasing cattle from the United States and Canada and to get them to their country. And uh, for me, when I was fortunate, they found me and they interviewed me, as well as other people. They talked to a lot of other people and so forth. And uh, they got done. The next week, they wrote me a letter and asked me if I would do it for them. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised because uh, they had even gone to the National Hosting Association and they had turned them down at the NYP. So I got to know those people, of course, and going to those countries and meeting them. And, and then for all those years, you know, another part that helped us in getting people here to come. You know, we were looking for people all over the world to come and visit World Theory Expo. So I was invited to judge 16 of their national shows. So you got to to meet the leaders in their country, some of the high up all to their presidents or governors and that, and I could invite those to come. That is an interesting way to recruit attendees to come to World Direct. I, I did not know about this. Well, it's person to person when you can look somebody right in the eye, talk with them and answer their questions, and they saw you work and they realized that you knew about cattle and you could talk about it and, you know, the time when I would go to the judge, I didn't just run judge that day and then get on a plane and fly home. I would spend a little time with them in feather. Of course, they would follow up that and getting in contact with me and go from there. And then the World Air Expo Board decided to, uh, to take a group from the United States and go to Europe and visit some of these countries, visit some of these people on their farms and their business, get to know more about these different countries. And uh, I was lucky again, they, the board selected me to kind of chair this with a uh, member of the staff here. So we chaired and we, we uh, set the agenda and set it all up and made the contacts with the different visits and so forth. That went over extremely well. So what kind of things were you telling them to intrigue them to come to World Air Expo? What was the selling point of the show at that at that time for international guests to come to Expo? The, the, the interesting thing, I think, was it was educational, especially in dairy cattle and the surrounding things. And, of course, all the different things and shows we have, you know, at the beginning we had the uh, uh, machinery, snow machinery on the grounds, and a lot of other things that uh, would take us a long time today to cover all those. A bunch of people know about or want to know, should know about it. And we started up the uh, another part that I was a part of, of the uh, fourth graders in all of uh, Kansas in a little part of northern Illinois, where one day we invite them so they bring busloads and busloads of uh, youngsters here. And they come and come and speak to them about, tell them about Expo, why we started it. And that's a program that still continues today. We, we still have, yeah, we have about 1,600 students that come each year um, over Wednesday and Thursday of World Dare Expo. And they carry the story back home to their schools, to their families, and uh, 
one of the other things that I started at this drawing, you know, when we first started up, we had a judging contest and a showmanship contest for the youngsters. But we, we had busloads and busloads would come one day when the FFA from across the state of Wisconsin. So I got an idea that we don't have an FFA judging contest uh, and things. So I started up and decided so to go and select cattle to come into the Coliseum and uh, the committees and get them to enroll, FFA uh, chapters to enroll and be a part of it. And then we got a fine gentleman from Plateau University volunteered to help me. And so the first years I selected the cattle and judged. And since that, we've turned it over to a professional staff that do a great job with that and bring us hundreds and hundreds of young people learning how to judge cattle. It's all, again, learning about the dairy industry. And what year did these start? What When did the FFA contest come to Expo? I would guess about 1970, but that's a guess. I I was here, but I don't remember all those. Those early years were really a happening place at Expo with all the changes that they were going through. Uh, I believe I remember reading 1969 was our first year with the five-day show. That's when we rebranded to World Dairy Expo. And then the next couple of years, some big change years for us, too. You are absolutely right. And you could uh, go on that. And I, I haven't tried to uh, memorize all those certain years and that there. And, and we should mention, probably here at least, that we do have a book that we wrote on our 50th anniversary that has a lot of the history in it. They should consider buying one of those if they haven't yet. Yeah, it's a great resource with such amazing stories in there. In those early years, what brought about those big monumental changes from that 1967 show through the 1970 show? So those first five years. I would say that we always, from the very beginning, we had, I mentioned these five people that started, but there were many more that we brought in. And we always were listening. We are always we're discussing with people. And so we paid attention or we need to make changes. And I am a big believer to start with that that's one thing that committees, committees and committees should work as a committee and you get ideas. Now, not everybody on the committee always agree if we we're going to change something, if we we're going to do it differently, but the majority does. And by that, I recommend, I don't what you're doing. You're going to start a new car dealership or whatever you're going to do if you've got a group together. Get them together. Do as we do. did. Get them in a, a room alone. Don't have any interference and, and get them and work on it. You know, we, we learn by correcting anything that we should a little bit or add something a little bit. If it's in church, if it's in school, if it's in the local communities or what, the more we get together and talk to people and listen to people, but then go along with the majority. And if something isn't working just right, change it. You can always change it, but don't be afraid to try something. Yeah, and those committees that you're talking about from the beginning of Expo are still the guiding and driving force behind Expo today. We still have those exhibitor committees on both the dairy cattle side as well as the trade show, and there's education, and so definitely committee structured. Oh, 
it. And I strongly believe in all that. Obviously, there's no way I could have ever served on all of them. I'm sorry to mention about a lot of things that Ray did or was involved, but uh, that was only minor in me. And I was, was fortunate that I lived in the area on the committee right from the beginning and all the way, all the way through. I was always nearby. And uh, a lot of times in a week, I would spend a couple of days here at the office uh, meeting with manager or whoever. Now you're extremely dedicated to World Dairy Expo and you've attended every show, correct? Every show. So what are some of the most memorable moments that you recall from any of the last 53, 54 years? What I remember most is the success of people that came here and exhibited dairy cattle, exhibited their product if they were selling something that was a machinery or the purple cow. You know, the purple cow, same thing when we traveled a year for that there, the people wanted some part, something of it. And when people come here, yeah, uh, I don't have any more of the bad news back because when people come here from foreign countries, right, I want one of those. Well, I give it away. And so they're all over the world yet today. The support of, of people like the Hearts Dairyman of the Holstein World and all all the other free magazines, all of help motives and it, it's the king together. That's what I remember more than anything, that people uh, really supported us, stayed together and uh, and believed in it and uh, and I wish you I wish World Dairy well. Obviously, you can tell at my age, it won't be right very long anymore, but uh, I'm proud that I was given an opportunity to donate my time, and that's what it all was a donation. I never collected a dime for salary or any other way. I never wanted or never asked for it in any way, but I put it out of hours, and I'm so proud of all of you, and I wish you the best and great, great hope in the future. Well, we certainly couldn't do what we do as a staff without volunteers and very dedicated volunteers like yourself. And you still, you know, serve on our board of directors, and we're still active at World Dairy Expo. And we're only a staff of ten, so without our four hundred volunteers, we couldn't make Expo happen. So I think it's a two-way street. No question about it. And I think people realize when people are volunteering, uh, they really have their heart and soul in it. And uh, that's that's probably one of the, think about it, that's probably maybe one of the real backbones to World Dairy Expo. We didn't look at it probably that way when this committee first night, that was what we were, you know, we were looking all, we had a show, we felt the show of dairy cattle. But, there's a lot of things related to dairy cattle, people, the food products, and the, the whole thing. So as you think of Expo as we know it today, or even in 2019 during our last show, how do you think that compares to the vision that your committee had back in 1963 when you first met? I think in our vision, when we started, I think a lot of it is exactly as we thought about. We were a committee that had to cattle 
kind of a little bit, um, they shouldn't say around the world, but especially the United States and Canada and, and some foreign countries, as some of us had done before that already, and other countries. So we looked around and um, we took ideas from one idea or Holland, one idea or Germany, one idea out of uh, Chile, uh, many of the countries. Uh, I travel all over the country. And of course, I work for the hosting association of America uh, in the years, uh, 10 years that I worked for them. I traveled and covered and worked in all of the United States except Alaska and Hawaii. I did a lot of traveling, lived on the road night and day, seven days a week. That is a lot of traveling and a great way for you to talk to people about Expo and to be boots on the ground recruiting, which without social media and all of the the ways we have to connect with people today is really the only way that Expo would have been successful. Well, it helped because I would meet people in these other other states and then they would uh, invite me to a lot of their state conventions to speak. Uh, and so you'd have a time if you were put on a program, you could give them a main boost out, build their expo, and, and that's why we have them coming here. It's too bad where we are this year and everything, but World Direct did the right thing and canceling it for this year as far as I'm concerned, and, uh, and the majority of the board uh, went along with it. And if we can just solve our problem that we're in, and I feel we will, World Direct will be back. And, and I'm asked the question about at least once a week, how long is it going to be before you can get World Dare Next World Go again? Like they want to see, we have a number of people that I've gotten to volunteer here, and they want to come work. I said, I hope it's soon. I can't predict that. I'm not knowledgeable of that. We're certainly hopeful that it's going to be next year. Absolutely. Yeah. We want to see the global dairy community back here. We want to see our friends again. We want to, you know, work with those volunteers again. And I think you're right, though. We It was the call that we had to make this year. And we're sad we're not, you know, interacting with everybody this year and hosting everyone. But uh, certainly the show of the times that we're in. And yeah, I think we're, we're going to be good in the future as well. I, I like your positive, like your positive thinking. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up. I think this was perfect and a wonderful way to kick off our podcast and actually World Dairy Expo Week. Uh, so while we're sad we're not seeing everyone in Madison today, we're glad you tuned in to catch this first episode of The Dairy Show. And we'll catch you again or see you in a couple of weeks.